Welcome into the Gracewood Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us. This is season two, episode number four. We're coming at you with a real life stories edition with a wonderful woman named Mary Smith. And before we dive in, bring her in here in just a second. I want to say thank you for all of you that are listening. We are now into season two. You can always go back and listen to all 100 episodes from season one. There are some powerful stories, some powerful words of encouragement, Rick Maynard, verse by verse, all kinds of great content on there. So again, please like it, you know, applause it, support us. We need your help. We want to continue to improve and up our game here at the Grace Point Daily Podcast. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the story. We're going to welcome to the Grace Point Daily Podcast, Mary Smith. Mary, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you hopping on the podcast. This is your first ever podcast, right? Yes, it is. So you're excited, ready to go. Where, what, what was last night like? Was it sleepless? You're, I'm just kidding. No, I, I wasn't sleepless last night. I, I slept pretty good, and um, you know, I um, read the Bible and and sing songs, you know, on YouTube. The sing the songs that we sing here at church, I found yeah. on YouTube. So I kind of get into those and praise God and everything. Yeah, we just love getting people on a podcast for the first time because there's just such beautiful stories. We love the Real Life Stories edition of the Grace One Day podcast because, man, I just love sitting down with people, hearing what God has done in their heart, done in their life. And so I know I, t- I talked to you the last month or two or so and interacting a little bit here and there, and we kind of talked about that, getting you on the podcast here, and you called me up and said, okay, I'm ready to go. So here you are. Yes, here I am. Ready to sh- I'm, I'm pretty nervous about this. This is kind of exciting, and I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, well, awesome. It's going to be okay. We're going to go through it together here on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. So let's dive into your story. Mary Smith, uh, and I was joking beforehand, you're the one name that I can easily remember in our entire church because it's very simple, very easy to remember. Mary Smith. Yep, that's what my mom named me. <laughs> All right, Mary, let's dive into your story. Tell us about who you are. Well, um, I was born and raised here in Carthage, Missouri. And um, um, I um, I have two older sisters and um, three brothers. And um, not all the same fathers and everything. And um, I was... Grown, grew up with an alcoholic family. Yeah. My mother was alcoholic, and so was my stepfather. And um, so there was a lot of struggle there, and um, it was hard. And um, what was Carthage like? We're here in southern Missouri. Was Carthage just kind of this little farm community? I mean, it's 15,000 people now, but what was it like growing up? For you as a kid, the, this Carthage, Southern Missouri area? It seemed like it was more simple here. There was more um, friendliness. You know, everybody knew each other. You know, it was friendly town. A lot of businesses were going. Small businesses were going, um, like A&W and um, small burger shops and stuff like that. And the drive-in, okay. it's, it's still open. But, um, you know, it it was fun here in town, and um, I enjoyed living here in Carthage mm-hmm. as, as a child. Yeah, I say that I grew up in a town of 1,400 people, and there, there is, although I would never want to live in that small of a town, <laughs> I don't think, but there is a real beauty to that. And 
things that have shifted. Like I, my dad and grandpa owned a hardware store in a small town and same kind of thing. Like you're saying, everyone knew each other, small businesses thrived. Uh, and then my dad and grandpa, their hardware store closed because of big box stores like Walmart and Home Depot kind of destroyed their business in a sense. But there's a real beauty to that kind of small town feel that seemed to used to exist some time ago that is slowly dying in our country today. But you grew up in a small town where everyone knew everyone and but you're still here. So you must have kind of liked it, right? Or you're just stuck here. You have to stay here. Well, um, <laughs> I have been in, in different um, towns. I, you know, have had previous marriages and I lived in um Mountain Grove, um Clever, um Sarcoxy, Reeds, you know, but I've kind of been here in Missouri. I haven't moved out of Missouri. Mm-hmm. I lo- I love Missouri. Yeah. Um and I haven't ever lived out of America or anything like that or went and visited any other countries. I've mainly stayed here in Missouri. Mhm. Um, yeah. So you grow up in this family and in, in this area of Carthage, Southern Missouri, small town type of field, but you're growing up in a family that is an alcoholic family. You said, is that, did that happen? Was that all throughout? Was that, uh, did that happen at a certain point in your childhood or, or you just grew up and existed with that type of environment? Um, yes, I um, grew up in this kind of an environment because, um, alcohol kind of ran in our family. Um, my, um, my grandfather, he passed away because of alcoholism, and my uncles um, have passed away because of alcohol. Well, two of them have passed away because of alcoholism, and there's a lot of um, drugs, you know, in the family, and um, and it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard and having to, to deal with that and um, live with the struggles and everything that come with it, because I really hate alcohol and drugs and what it does to family Mm. because it, it really tears them apart. Um, that's what happened with, um, my first marriage. Mm. Um, I, um, tried to tell my husband, you know, that I really didn't like him getting involved in the, in the drugs and everything. And I didn't want my children involved in the drugs. And um, so at, at the end of her marriage, I um, took my children and, and left and divorced my first husband because I didn't want them to experience the drugs and everything. And I was a single mother for a while. Mm. And that was, that was pretty hard to do. But um, then I got remarried, and that was um, a little bit of a, an abusive situation there with my second marriage. And then I'm married for the third time, and we kind of have had some struggles. You know, he um, was wanting to drink, and um, at first when I met him, I drank a little bit with him, but I told him that I said, I haven't drank for a long time. I didn't drink when I was married to my second husband, you know. So, um, and I let him know this up front. I said, um, you know, I didn't drink and I haven't drank for a long time, but hey, I partied with him and um, 
then I got to a point where I, because we were fighting, it it made him angry, and um, and he just he didn't see that he he doesn't see it when he's drinking and stuff that it just makes him angry because he's um he's got a lot of um resentment anger and bitterness that he's kind of holding on to and um and I'm trying to witness to him now and telling mm-hmm. him about all the things that God is doing in my life and you know what's going on and God's using me in the church yeah and trying to tell him you know inviting him to church but um he um he had an injury when he was young as a teenager, he was hit by a drunk driver, which is kind of odd, you know, but um, he struggles with pain and everything, and um, and I try to take care of him the best that I can, but um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And Two things that I think are interesting that I like to say a lot, which I think is true, is number one is alcohol is a drug. You know, people, we, we yes. I think sometimes we've just, we've become so comfortable with alcohol in our culture existing with it socially, et cetera. You know, you can buy it anywhere, stores. You can buy it, you know, at whatever restaurant, drinking, et cetera. But alcohol is so destructive and so powerful. Uh, and it's destroying the lives of people. It's yeah. it's not a good thing. It's not like, and we've just kind of embraced it and become comfortable with it. Uh, but you your, yourself as have seen it in your family, marriages, how destructive the power of alcohol is in the lives of people. And secondly, uh, how powerful these moments, defining moments are as a girl. L- let me go back to when you were a kid. What do you remember as a little girl? I mean, obviously, do you remember seeing and what do you remember taking in as a girl, seeing alcohol in this environment growing up? And what, what are your memories as a, a girl? Well, um, I just remember um, my mom um, drinking and, you know, uh, my stepfather, he, um, you know, was also drinking with my mom, and he did the best that he could. Um, job, was, what, was she was. drinking out of like frustration or stress in life, or what was what was that the purpose? Or, well, my mom had a difficult childhood. Um, her her dad was an alcoholic, and her mother was an alcoholic, so you know it just kind of ran on into her life too. So um, there was, you know, abuse with her dad and her mother. He abused her mother, and she had to witness all of this growing up as a child. And um, they had, like, eight kids. It was a huge family. Mm. And, you know, he worked, and they struggled, you know, a lot um, during those times. But... um, yeah, my mom, she, um, yeah, it was hard for her growing up. Did and, you feel and, as a little girl, were you, were you sad? Were, I mean, did you cry? You know what I'm saying? Did you like go to your room and cry or what were you feeling? Were you like, this is not right or something's not right? What were your feeling? How did you feel as a little girl watching that and deep inside? What was your, what was your feelings? The cry of your heart, if you will. Well, um, I wanted him to stop, 
Mm-hmm. I wanted them to, to be, you know, my parents and to take care of me and my brother, you know. And, um, yeah, I I really wanted them to stop, but they, they wouldn't. Mm. You know, they were really addicted to it. So they didn't stop. It's this simple. I tell people sin steals, you know, and what what sin, the sin of alcoholism does, what did it do for you? It stole, you know, that relationship with your mom, right? I mean, it stole, you're like, man, I want to have this better relationship, more engagement, more interaction with my mother. And this, this alcohol is, is taken away from that. And it sounds like that was kind of what was in your mind and your heart. Yeah. Um, she was pretty distant. She, um, wasn't you know affectionate and and loving and that also happened with um her mother her mother didn't tell her that she loved her didn't give her any encouragement or any affection and my mom often wondered why don't you love me why don't you tell me that you love me Hmm. and but her younger brother's got that affection because they were the babies and stuff. So they got the attention and stuff. And, um, I mean, I, I know my mom loved me and she took care of me in my younger days. She did sweet things with me mm-hmm. when I was with, um, a person that I want to talk about. This was a different, um, I call him my stepfather, at that time, um, you know, she, I was her little baby, and um, she did buy dresses for me and, you know, show me affection and stuff when I was younger. At that time in my life, but, you know, I like, got a, a little bit older in grade school and stuff, and when she got more involved drinking and stuff, there was not any affection or love or anything like that. And, and, you know, I know that she knew God and Jesus and everything because she's told me this before. And um, that we didn't pray in her house. We didn't talk about God in the house, you know, anything like that. But, um, but my first experience with God is through my uncle, her brother. Okay. And um, he would come and pick us up and take take us to church. And I remember we would sing on the bus, and he was. It was like church bus. He'd pick yeah, you up on the church bus, he'd, kind he'd of thing. Pick, pick us up on the church bus, and he was he was funny and hilarious, and I loved him so much. <laughs> and we would sing, you know, a Christian children's songs on the bus, and. Um, and I remember going to church there. It's out of town. I don't remember. I think it might be an Assembly of God church. I'm not really sure, but I know that they were a Pentecostal church because I was uh, back behind a window and I was really young at this time. I was in grade school, and um, and I was watching the the adults in the other room, and they were dancing joyful okay. and exciting and everything and i'm like i'm Whoa. like thinking what is going on in there this is a new experience for me mm-hmm. 
And um, I wanted to know what was going on, you know? Yeah. Why is everybody excited yeah. <laughs> and stuff going on in there? But um, I know now that, you know, they're dancing in the spirit, and it, it's really exciting to have those kind of memories. And, and that church, you know, was uh, Pentecostal. I know for sure now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, that was a wonderful experience. They were really good people there at that church, and I, I felt comfortable and loved and safe and everything in that church. And um, I, my Uncle Don was really, really good to me and my, my brother and, and took it by taking us to, to church and getting us to know Jesus and mm-hmm. God at that early age. Yeah. So that is my first experience. Oh wow! With God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In grade school, and that that that's uh, really cool. Um. In that period of time, did you have kind of a moment where you gave asked Jesus in your heart and that kind of thing? Not at that moment in my life, I didn't. You were just experiencing and was, taking I, in. I was just experiencing that moment, and um. And it was it was fun and and nice and I felt safe you know and secure yeah. and everything at the church. Yeah, it was, it was a good feeling to be there. Isn't it just to pause? Isn't it interesting the the feeling? You said the word the feeling. Did the, the, the difference in the feeling? Did you feel that difference between your environment at home? Yes, that's alcoholic. You know this, and then you step into church and there's a different feeling there, right? Yes, it was a very different feeling. Okay. Very different. Wow. And um, I wanted to go in to a little bit of, um, I was with my mom when I was from like an infant till 13 years old. And, um, you know, because of the alcoholism, um, she wanted me to go. And because of the financial problems that they were having, she um, asked me if I felt comfortable going and staying with um i call him my stepfather he's not my real dad he's my brother's father and um they were well more well off and could take care of us and everything and um she asked me if i felt comfortable going and staying with them and um and i did and so me and my younger brother went over and and live with them, and at first, everything seemed okay, but as things went on, um, there was abuse going on. Um, she was very manipulative, manipulative, you know, Mm -hmm. the stepmother was, and um, she was mentally abusive, and she was very very physically abusive with my younger brother. Hmm. Um, and um, she, um, I know for a fact that my stepfather, he was an atheist. He did not believe in God. He told my mom that he did not believe there was a God. And my stepmother For a fact, I know that she was into witchcraft, mm. and she was probably a witch. Wow. 
um, I won't go into that just yet, but I know this because she was she was sadistic, she was manipulative, and she was controlling, and she was degrading, and um, she hammered it in my head over and and over again how I was never going to be anybody. I was hmm. never going to be anything in my life. You know, she had that drilled in my head that you're not going to mount anything ever in your life. Wow. And um, she would constantly beat my brother in another room, and I was terrified of her. I didn't know mm. what to do, and I was only 13, 14 years old. This was going on, and I did not know what to do. Yeah, you're living in fear, absolute fear, sounds like. I, w- I was terrified of her at that moment in my life. I knew what she was capable of doing because I heard my brother in the other room, and I was just hoping that she wouldn't come after me. But um, she did a few times, but not as bad as my brother. And it was it was every other day he was getting a beaten and, and grounded to his room like he was a prisoner in this house. Mm. She didn't want him there. She didn't want me there. And she let us know that, she didn't care for us. Wow. And I'm th- as you're sharing that, just think of, number one, that's not God, how God feels about you or us. Oh, I know that. And, uh, you know, the power of, but the power of words, you know, the, the Bible says that the power of the tongue can produce life or it can produce death, you know, literally. And when we grow up as young people, as kids in these environments, you know, I think today of children today, I think today, just like you growing up in environments where they're told you're nothing, you're not going to amount to anything. And and God's plan is so much different. God's plan is so much better. God's thoughts and his ways and what he is speaking is, is so much greater. And wow, to think that you had to grow up in, in, in that period of time where that's being heaped on you, how that must have affected you as a young person. It affected me a lot during that time. You know, I, um, I wasn't very outgoing in school. You know, I struggled in school, um, but I enjoyed going to school because it got me out of that situation there at home. It got me away from there for a while so I could get a break from all of that <laughs> anger and um, torment and stuff that was going on inside that house. Mm. And um, and I was going to talk about um, my second experience with God because... Her dad was a pastor at a Methodist church. Hmm. And that is so odd because you know, <laughs> the way she acted and think and you know, because she got away with all this because her dad was a pastor and um we were expected to go there every Sunday. This is what was expected to probably make her look good. Okay. In everybody's eyes and everything. Okay. But um her her dad was was good to me and her mom was good to me. And um the experience there at the church, um, we were taught about God and Jesus, me and my brother were. And um see at at that point in time I I even at that point in time 
knowing about God and Jesus and being taught that at the Methodist church, I didn't have a personal relationship with God, not like I needed to be. I mean, the, the people, some of the people in church were nice and good to me and everything because I was the pastor's granddaughter. But um, I really didn't at that point have the relationship with God. It was, and it I didn't feel God in that church. It was like a desert. It okay. was it was dry. Yeah, I was going to say I sounds like, I, and again, I'm not trying to personally put down the Methodist no. church, but you saw that difference, or yes. there's something different because you yes. just shared this experience where you saw this church where there's happiness and joy and freedom and dancing, and now you're kind of in this different environment where it's like, man, yes. I'm. Doesn't seem like that's that's there. No, I, I'm I'm not putting um, Methodist um, down because there are good people in the yeah. Methodist Church and everything, and they can worship in God any way they want to. That's mm-hmm. their choice to do how they want to worship God. But um, but it shows you. I guess the point I'm getting at <laughs> is there's a difference between between religion and relationship and encounter with the Lord. And I tell you what, as my as a pastor, that's my prayer. Is I'm like. Man, Lord, I hope today someone has encounter with you. Freedom, healing, salvation, joy, right? I mean, it's not, uh, I don't want to just go through repetitive religious motions. I want people to experience the living God. Yes, um, but it wasn't like that. Yeah. That's what it, it was just, it was just dry and it was, you in Methodist, you go through like a, a routine, go to, this song, this sermon, you know, just uh, routine is how they... Liturgy of of sort, yep. So um, I didn't feel God at that point in time. And then um, during my 20s and stuff, I I ran from God. I I, um, I ran, I was... um, Why? Why did you run from God? I don't know. I just was running. I was sinning. And did you know it? Did you know you were sinning? Did you feel it? Did you feel conviction? Did you feel and know your life was wrong? Yeah. At times times (laughs) I I knew what I I was doing, but I I did it anyway. I was drinking. I was partying. I was doing a little bit of drugs. And, um, but I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy doing these things. And um, I do want to point out that um, my mother, who I love very much, and I told you that she she was an alcoholic, her and um, my stepfather did get right with God in the 80s, and they were delivered of alcoholism. Wow. Praise God. And, um, and, and. It was like in the late 80s, I think, that they were delivered from alcoholism. And still, to this day, 35 years later, my mom has been free of alcohol. And um, she is a devoted woman of God. Wow, praise the Lord. And so is my stepfather. They're both um, Christian people. And I have grown over the years to um, be closer and closer to my mother 
and there's more love mm. in that relationship because um, I I go to her and talk to her about God and Jesus, mm. and um, we talk about a lot of things. Our communication is very open, you know, so we can talk about anything. Anything, yeah. anything I can talk to my wow. mother about. And that relationship is so wonderful to me right now because I love my mom so much. She, She's just beautiful yeah. to me. And that's beautiful. That That's a beautiful story that is not told very often. Sometimes we tell our stories of like abuse and all these horrible things that we had with our, our parents growing up. But you don't often hear the redemption part of how like your, your parents got right with the Lord and now you're right with them and, and God has redeemed that. And I'm just, you know, what I'm wanting to say to people that are listening to this podcast is God can redeem your past, but he can redeem the past of those that were around you as well. And so keep in mind, I mean, God maybe has redeemed you and brought salvation, but don't forget about maybe some of those people in your past uh, that were that were and maybe still are struggling, and that God wants to redeem them, and God wants to change their story, and He can bring that all back together. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to point out um, that my step parents that with the abuse and everything, um, you know, God has gotten me to a point. You know, I I still think about some of the things, and I really don't want to keep going into it i want to move forward but um god has gotten me to a point where i can pray for them and and pray that god will have mercy on them and save them and open their eyes to see what they've done and to repent and because i don't wish them to go to Mm. hell i really i really don't wish that and um i have been hoping and praying for my brother because you know he he and I both struggle we've got we um go through anxiety and um we don't we have a lot of trouble with trust issues with with people and um post traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. we we both have this problem and um just a lot of issues that we have gone through over the years because of the abuse and everything that we had suffered. Yeah. But I am, I'm hoping and praying for my brother to get to this point where I am right now that he can openly pray for them, for his abusers, that God will have mercy Mm -hmm. over them and for God to save them. But my brother, (laughs) this is exciting. Because of um, me talking to my brother and telling him what God is doing in my life, he is turning to God Amen. more and more and more. And he just recently told me something that happened to him. See, he, he at one point, he, he was saved and filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, he knows about this kind of thing. So he just recently opened up and told me an an experience that he had. He felt something was coming at him, and it was an evil presence. And he rebuked it in the name of Jesus and told it to leave his home. And he said when he did that, 
he just felt God just pouring over him, this warm feeling just coming <laughs> over him. And he knew, he knew that God was with him. And I said, well, praise God. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Absolutely. Because <laughs> he is starting to, to turn to God more. And it, it is, I'm, I'm thankful. I just, it's just wonderful to see my brother getting to this point in his life. Wonderful. What do you say today to, uh, I mean, you feel like you have a great heart for people now. Not, I mean, as you have walked through an abusive childhood upbringing, do you feel like your heart now naturally kind of goes out and leans toward those that are going through the same things? And that's part of the message that God has put in your heart to share with other people. Well, yes. Um, that's another thing that is kind of, um, near and dear to my heart is, um, children you know that are abused and bullied and stuff my heart goes out to them and um was that what you were talking about Mm -hmm. yeah um i yeah that is something that um is on my heart a lot and also um the the children that are being sex trafficked and you know molested and and all these things that are happening to these children is it's an awful experience for them and my heart is crying out for all these children that are being abused and everything that is something that is on my heart mhm yeah and there's one cure there's one answer that's Jesus you know he's the place of freedom he's the place it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I love that verse in the Bible. And people today that there's just these embedded hurts and pains, struggles, abuse, there is a place of freedom. And that place of freedom is found in Jesus. Amen. Um, I wanted to get to a point of um, my salvation. And... um. I kind of wanted to say that I'm kind of like a, a modern day Mary Magdalene Okay, <laughs> is kind of what happened in my, um, salvation. And, um, I told you about when I, I was living over there at the abuser's house, the step parents. And while I was there, I found a witch board. Mm-hmm. And I played with it. And um, I messed with it for a few days. And um, at the end of it, they told me that they were going to kill me. The witch board did. Wow. And at that point, I was scared to death. Yeah. I was freaked out. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, I knew in my heart that Jesus was my only hope. And I, I ran to Jesus wow. is what okay. I did. <laughs> and, um, and what I did was I went, 
to an old pastor, um, Brother Vaughn and Sister Mary, uh, which um, were, um, the church was the Victory Faith Center, and they started out in Dunaweg, and they moved the church to Joplin. But I went over there to their house, and I asked him, I said, I need prayer. I need prayer desperately. So... For this deliverance, he prayed over me, and I was on the floor being delivered because I was possessed by the devil. Mm. And this went on for seven or eight hours. I was being delivered by the devil, and he would tell him, tell me your name. In the name of Jesus, I command you to tell me what your name is. Mm-hmm. And this pastor was very anointed in God. <laughs> he had the anointing just flowing wow. over him. And they would, I mean, I. this was a long time ago. This was like in the 90s when this happened. And I remember it because it was a very important part of my life. And he, each time he would say, you come out of her in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name of Jesus. You come out of her right now. And this went on for hours, hours of deliverance. And each one, he said, you tell me your name. And then they would say their name. And then he would rebuke them, tell them, you don't say a word. You come out of her in the name of Jesus. And and the last one that came out of me, pastor said, is there any more of you in her? And the reply was, no, there's none left in here. And my pastor said, you are a liar. And I know who you are. You tell me your name right now. And the voice told him, my name is Satan. And at that time, he said, Satan, you get out of her in the name of Jesus. Wow. And then at, all during that time, um, we were singing, Oh, the blood of Jesus. The wash is white as snow. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes white as snow. I remember him, and hmm. um, and um, and I know that God, even with the way that I was, and you know, I was at a bad point, and I shouldn't have messed with what I did, but at that point. He had such great mercy on me, and he reached down, and he literally pulled me out of the pit of hell, Mm. and he saved my life. Wow. Wow. And I am so thankful and grateful, and I praise his name, and I give him all the glory and praise and thanks because I know that Jesus 
is the one that saved me and delivered delivered me. Wow. set free and set free Woo. he broke those chains <laughs> yeah took wow. them off of me Talk, touch on that for a second for people we can't ever underestimate the power of when we expose ourselves to those things what can happen you know i think sometimes people are saying oh it's just a it's just a ouija board it's just a little alcohol it's just a little bit of this it's just a little bit of that but uh when you open yourself up to those things it's it, not powerful in a good way, but it can, it's powerful and it can bring very destructive things into your life to the point of we're talking to, I'm sitting next to someone. I'm talking to someone today who had to have demons cast out of them because you open yourself up to this stuff. Yes. Yes. It was the witch board. Yeah. You know, and people, you know, it's in movies. Yep. It's in a lot of movies and people play with it and they think, ha, 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 this is just mm-hmm. some kind of a little toy we can play with. It's not. not this, a is, joke. this is serious stuff. When you play with something like this, you're opening up a door and they don't realize this at the time. You're opening up the door and inviting the devil in your life. Yeah. And that is a scary situation to be in. And what's the difference between God's stuff and devil stuff? You know, we've talked about this before in churches. Listen, God doesn't possess you. He doesn't do that. But the devil will. You open up the door to the devil, he he will come like a raging maniac into your life. And he will put strongholds, oppression, possession into your life. So today, man, if you're messing with stuff or lifestyles, etc., that you know that aren't of God, you better run from that stuff, and you better run to God. Amen. Well, we got a couple more minutes, Mary. Uh, any other, just a couple other things, powerful things you want to share? That was great. I'm really glad that you shared that story, and it took a lot of vulnerability to share something like that, too, so I appreciate that. Well, um, something that um, I was thinking about is Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I wanted to tell that verse because that is a very important verse. And um, I want to talk about um, how God, today, I needed to go back to church. I felt this in my spirit that I needed to go back. I needed this in my life. I wanted God in my life. And, um, and God is just using me in the church and he's used me a few times giving a message through the Holy Spirit. And I, each time he does this, I feel honored and blessed when he does this with me. Mm-hmm. I feel like he blesses me. And when this, a few times, the feeling that I feel, I have felt um, warmth come flowing over me. When God is using me in in church, in the service, to deliver the message to the church. And another feeling that um, I have felt is a quaking that goes all the way (laughs) through my body. And I know that that is, is God. God. I know that God is with me and he's using me. And I hope he uses me more and more to um to help people to pray for people for lives mm-hmm. to be changed and for people to turn to God because yeah. we I do believe are living in the last days 
because I can see things that are getting worse and worse as mm-hmm. the days go by, and the Bible says that they will be worse. Yeah, right. So I'm wanting people to to turn to God. You're making me want to pursue God right now. I mean, isn't it amazing, though? Just God's God is so good. What he gives you is so amazing. You know, I, as I do some of these real-life stories or hear people testimonies, I've never heard anyone sit down and say, yet, which isn't tons of episodes, but like, man, I just, I'm so thankful for all the things that alcoholism brought to my life. It's just so wonderful. It's just, I just wish I could experience that. Man, the abuse that I went through, that, it was so amazing. I just wish I could be abused every day, right? And that, that That's stupidity, right? I mean, that's, but yeah. yet when you hear someone say, man, the feeling I get when I connect with God, man, the first time I felt Jesus, it was so amazing. I want that, right? It, it, listen to the difference. You know, that's what I'm encouraging people yes. today that are listening. Listen to the difference between the Jesus lifestyle and life without Jesus. Why, why do we want that? Why would we chase that? Why would we go after that? Why would we give ourselves our time and energy and effort to something that gives us absolutely nothing when we can run to the one who gives us everything, Jesus? Amen. And, and I'm just hearing how God has worked in your life, those experiences and those encounters, the feeling we get, the blessing we get with Jesus. Man, who wants the things? The devil has nothing for us. The devil has nothing good. The devil, everything he has is just destructive, disruptive, ruins us, destroys us. But it's like that verse, right? Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give life more abundantly. Amen. So what do you feel like your your life now is? Your, the, the I always say it like, the, what's the store or the, the mantra? What's the banner? What's the anthem? The anthem of your life that you're declaring today? The anthem is, my God is still on the throne. He's still alive. He is still saving people. He's still delivering people. He's still healing people. He is not dead. He's alive. My Lord is alive. He's still saving people. He still loves you. He he wants you to come to him. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He wants everyone to be saved. Yeah. We don't always do this, Mary, at the close of a show, but I, I just think it's appropriate right now. Could you say a prayer today? Maybe someone that's going to listen to your story, listen to this podcast. They're struggling. They're they're in oppression. They're um, in, in, in abuse right now or whatever it might be. Could you say a prayer, a prayer of just freedom and hope and peace over the lives of people right now? Could you do that? Yes, I can. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you'll reach out and you'll touch people's hearts people that are in, in abusive situations, people that are in dealing with alcohol and drugs and everything, that you open their eyes, Lord Jesus, and let them know that they need to come to you, that you are their only hope, Lord Jesus. Just save them, dear Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we got a taste of your story. I know that there's more chapters yet to be told. We didn't dive into all of it, but that was some power, powerful stuff, Mary. So grateful that you shared. And thank you for all of you that listen. We will talk to you next time. 